Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're uh, ready for our next Mishnah in the first Perik of Pirkei Ovis. So important to learn Pirkei Ovis, especially now to give us encouragement, to give us positivity, to make us feel upbeat. We're in a difficult time and it's important that we get to the essence of what it means to be a Jew, to get to the essence of what it means to be a full-fledged, faithful servant of Hashem in today's crazy world. It's a crazy world. So we're going to go to the next Mishnah, Mishnah Hay. So remember that now we have Zugois, pairs. So the last one that we had, the previous Mishnah, was Yoisi ben Yoezer Ish Tzereido. We're going to get back to him because something that the next Mishnah talks about is going to be relevant to him as well and I'm going to talk about him in a moment. But first let's read Mishnah Hay. Wonderful Mishnah. The Mishnah says as follows. Yoisi ben Yoichonon Ish Yerushalayim Oimer. Yoisi ben Yoichonon was the chief rabbi of Jerusalem. He's called Ish Yerushalayim. He was the Av Beisdin. He was the most significant rabbinic figure of Jerusalem of his day. At that period of the second Beis Hamikdash, uh, and uh, this is the beginning of what we refer to today as the Talmudic period, but it was in the late second temple um, period, and it was a very important time because the emerging um, tensions between the Tzidukim and the Pirushim meant that one needed to record the teachings, the ancient teachings of, um, of, the, uh, of the Torah Shabbat Peh, Halacha Moshe Misinai, and all of the ethical teachings that are based in Judaism, ancient Judaism, as opposed to a newfangled Judaism that the Tzidukim came up with because they had rejected the ancient tradition. And by the way, this is not just apologetics from Talmudists and for those who are the descendants of the original rabbinic Jews, but even Josephus, when he writes his history and he's writing for the Romans, he's not particularly writing for Jews, admits that the traditions of rabbinic Jews and all the ancient ideas that um, augment the Torah were far more ancient than anything that the Tzidukim came up with, the Sadducees. Anyway, let's get back to Yoisi ben Yoichonon Ish Yerushalayim, the chief rabbi of Jerusalem at the time. He said as follows, Yibeischa posuach lirevocha. Your house should be open to, uh, to the most hospitable environment that is possible. Lirevocha. Plenty, that's what Ravacha means. Anybody should be welcome in your home. Indeed, he says, the Yihyu Aniim Beneve Secha. Poor people, people who are economically challenged, they should feel completely at home in your home. You shouldn't make your home exclusively for you, you should make your home open to all. In other words, if you want to understand what it means to be a good Jew, and by the way, this is a running theme throughout Pirkei Ovis, the most important ideal to aspire to is and you have to be concerned about 
You have to be concerned with how it is that you treat other human beings. People can be extremely devout and devoted to God, but they forget that there are other human beings on the planet. We're not here on our own. I mean, I understand that some people feel that it wouldn't it be wonderful if I was here just by myself and there was no one else here to bother me. But that's not the way it works. We're born into a family. We're born into a community. We're born into a city, a country, a world where there's lots of other people and we have to be extremely concerned that all of those other people are taken care of to the best of our ability. Of course, we can't change the world. Individually, we cannot change the world. Collectively, perhaps, but it requires enormous effort. But on an individual basis, we can certainly make sure that we make our homes and our environment welcoming to all. And that's what Rabbi Yossi ben Yoichonon, Ish Yerushalayim, had to say. Do you know what he said? Make sure that your home is a welcoming, a welcoming and plentiful home, a place where anybody can come and feel welcome and catered for and taken care of. In addition to which he said, May those who are economically challenged, who are suffering somewhat because of the difficulties they may face in a material sense, make sure that in your home they don't feel that way. According to some of the Pirushim, it means that you should make every effort to employ and engage people to work for you who come from your community and who need financial assistance. But rather than to give them charity, make them work in your home. Somehow you should give them that dignity that they have a job. And then, of course, you treat them in the finest possible way. And you make sure that they feel welcome and part of your household. That is incredibly important. But in the event that people are suffering, you have to make sure not to abandon them and only associate with people who are economically successful. But even those who are challenged somewhat will be welcome in your home and will be able to survive the difficulties which they face. I have a friend, Yossi Rabinovich, and he has uh, sent me the following, uh, what I consider to be absolutely pshat, in the, this Mishnah and the previous Mishnah. So you remember, you will recall, that I mentioned that in the previous Mishnah we said that Yoisi ben Yoezer ish suggested that your home be a base vad l'chachomim. A base vad l'chachomim means that you should make your home, you should make your house somewhere which is welcoming for great scholars. It would appear that Yosi ben Yochanan Ishrushalayim takes this a stage further. He says you should make your home into a place which is welcoming for all, not just a base vad lechachomim. It should be pasuach lirvocha. It should be that it's v'yu aniim b'nei secha. So why is it that we need to mention what it is that Yosi ben Yoezer Ishtzeredo had to say? surely it was superseded by the incredible warmth and hospitality that is promoted by his counterpart in this zug, in this pair, that is Yossi ben Yoichonon Ishu Shalaim. And my friend Yossi Rabinovich suggests as follows. He quotes 
This is a Gemara in Chagiga. That Yoisi ben Yoeze Chosid Jebid Kahuna. He was one of the great righteous members of the priesthood. And remember that if you were a member of the priesthood, you were to ensure that you were pure, so pure at all times. In essence, he didn't just maintain the lowest level of standards in order so that he could eat Truma, but he was so incredibly careful about everybody he came into contact with so that he could at all times be assured that he hadn't been some, in some way contaminated by Tum'ah, by ritual impurity, so that he knew that he was Al-Taharas HaKodesh at the highest level of spiritual sanctity. You know what, you read a mission like this, perhaps before the COVID pandemic, you might think to yourself, come on, I mean, how careful do you need to be? You can be careful, I know that I'm pure, I know that some people aren't pure, but I'm not really coming into contact with them. But we have been exposed over the past three months to a whole new phenomenon that we have to be not just careful, but so super careful so that none of us gets contaminated with even the slightest. I mean, it's a cell size, right? It's the smallest possible size in the physical world. Now, we don't know anything about ritual impurity, but let's imagine for a moment that the coronavirus can be identified as some form of spiritual impurity. I'm not suggesting that for a moment, but just to make the analogy. And how careful you have to be to prevent any level of contamination. So what are you going to do? Are you going to be kosher or are you going to be glut kosher? Are you going to make sure to avoid any possible contamination at all costs? even if it means your complete isolation from society, or are you going to say, okay, it's okay, it's not so bad, I'll come into contact with them, I'm sure I can wash my hands. I think we all know the answer to that, that the people who are rather more lax in their maintenance of social distancing standards were rather more at risk than those who isolated themselves and made sure that there was social distancing of the of, uh, of the strongest nature. And I think, and this is what Yossi suggests in his parish here, that from what we know about Yossi ben Yoeza Ishtereida, that he practiced social distancing to the ultimate level. And the only people he would allow into his home were people who were chachomim. He made his home into a base vadla chachomim. People who knew what social distancing meant. In other words, they knew how to make sure that no one would ever become contaminated by any kind of tumor. As a result of which he could maintain his incredibly high standards, Al-Taharas HaKodesh. However, there was another individual, his counterpart in this Zug, Yoisi ben Yoichonon Shalayim. And of course, there wasn't a COVID pandemic at the time that this Mishnah was written nor at the time that these people lived. But the concept helps us understand, the analogy helps us understand what we're talking about. He wanted to be welcoming and embracing to all. He didn't leave anybody out. He wanted everyone to feel comfortable in his home. I'm sure 
that he also maintained the highest standards of ritual purity, but in order to accommodate every kind of Jew, he made his home as open as possible. So you have here two different sides of the same coin. People who wanted to maintain purity, but in different ways. Yaisi ben Yoezesh Tzereda wanted to maintain a ritual purity, so he opened up his home as a base vad l'chachomim to others who felt the same way as he did. Yaisi ben Yoichonon Ish Yerushalayim had the purity of hospitality in his home, and therefore he allowed himself latitude about who he allowed into his home, knowing that it's so important to take care. Ben Odom l'chaveroi making sure that everybody in the community feels welcome and at home. Just a thought and an idea as to why there was this differentiation between Yoisi ben Yoezer and Yoisi ben Yoichana. Let's continue the Mishnah. You shouldn't talk too much to a woman. Ha'isha actually means the woman. Now, of course, Mishnah is written from the perspective of men. But I think that the same would apply if a Mishnah was written from the perspective of women, that they shouldn't speak too much to men. And what we're talking about, we're not talking about conversation. I went into the bank and I wanted to deposit a check and there was a woman behind the counter. I can't talk to her too much. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is engaging in extended and frivolous conversations with members of the opposite sex. That is entirely inappropriate because it is inevitable that people will, will give themselves, allow themselves liberties when it comes to a matter such as this. And we know what's going through people's minds. We are human beings. We are flesh and blood. We are not malachim. We're not angels. We're not. I know it comes as a surprise to you. We're not. We're human beings. We have feelings. We have the juices that are flowing through our blood and our veins and our arteries. We're hot-blooded. And sometimes thoughts cross our minds which are inappropriate. Now, of course, we're not going to act on those thoughts. But how do we somehow rationalize our behavior by saying, well, it was nothing. All I was doing was having an innocent conversation an innocent conversation yes of course it's innocent but on the other hand it can lead to something which is less than innocent and certainly if it doesn't lead to it physically in practical terms it could lead to that in your mind and that being the case says the Mishnah don't allow yourself that latitude. Don't think that you are immune to the human condition. You're a human being like every other human being. Protect yourself. Maintain and sustain your spiritual purity by reducing the amount of time you speak to people who may lead you to doing things or thinking things which are not entirely appropriate. That is what the Mishnah means. Altarbe and it says even with your wife by the way what is sicha sicha doesn't mean that you're having a conversation about some great intellectual idea 
Sicha doesn't mean you're speaking about the news. It means it's tittle-tattle. It's idle chatter. It's just conversation for the sake of conversation. Let's talk a bit. Let's have a good schmooze. That's not appropriate. Of course it's, in, it's appropriate to talk to people about things which are dvarim, uh, you know, uh, that are important. Talking about things which are important, that, that matters, of course. You can talk about those things. Sicha is just a chat, a schmooze. That's not appropriate. And this rule applies even to your wife or, I guess, your husband. You shouldn't allow yourself just to do to have a chat just for the sake of having a chat if there is an ulterior motive that might ultimately result. All the more so with your friend's wife. Don't just have an idle chat, an idle conversation with a woman who's not your, not your wife. It's not appropriate. And from this, the Chachomim, the great rabbis, the sages of the Talmud would say, All the time that someone increases the amount of time they spend conversing and having an idle conversation with women all that would ultimately lead to is that he's doing bad to himself he's causing himself harm and he is abandoning he is somehow uh, causing great detriment to the fact that he could be engaged in Divrei Torah. By the way, Divrei Torah doesn't mean that you're studying a page of Talmud. It means you're engaged in spiritually elevating conversation, spiritually elevating uh, talk with someone else that somehow improves you as a human being. Your purpose, having been put on this planet, having been born, is to leave this planet as a better neshama, as a better person than when you were put here. And uh, allowing yourself the liberty of doing things, of having conversations that are going to lead to a deterioration of your spiritual status is a grave mistake, says the Mishnah. Says Yochanan, uh, says Yosi ben Yochanan is Yerushalayim. However, as the Chachomim explain, if you are able to have that conversation it means that you have time to do something which is spiritually elevating which means that there is a bittle from divrei torah that's a mistake allow yourself to use the time constructively that is what you need to do because uvoitel bidivrei torah somebody who abandons any opportunity to involve himself in divrei torah soifa yoresh gehenem ultimately and one thing leads to another it's not something it's not a leap off a cliff it's a slow progression that you will inherit as it were Gehenim which is purgatory which is the ultimate punishment for your neshama when you get to Shemaim that you're not welcomed and embraced by God but you have to go through some kind of cleansing process which we refer to as Gehenim we don't want that to happen so ensure that everything that you do is something that you could do in front of your mother, is something that you could do comfortably in front of your father. It says about Yosef HaTzadik, 
when he was confronted by Ashes Poitifar, that he saw an image of his father's face in front of him and he realized, how could I ever do this if my father is watching me? How could I ever allow myself this liberty if my father can see or could see what I am doing? And he ran off and he was able to withstand the great temptation that had been put in front of him by Aisha's Potiphar, the wife of his master Potiphar. That is the way we need to behave because ultimately, if we allow ourselves liberties and latitude and we open ourselves to danger, eventually we will succumb and we will be, unfortunately and sadly, and may it never happen, a Yorish Gehenna. That is the end of Mishnah Hay and we'll leave it here for today. Thank you.